gathering myself and I, I, I don't want any, I just want to watch Newcastle now and I just want to watch what they do. I've just talked to Faraz, who killed as a Saudi male when I wore a Saudi dress. I got tortured for it, but there was 250,000 watch me, Steve Rape and Steve Hasty dressed up. Like what the market said, goons. But they don't, they don't get it. They don't get the, the standing there in national Saudi dress is an honour. And, and yeah, it's how I was brought up. If you look after me, I look after you. And if if you're nice to my family, I'll be nice to yours. And and these people have come over and invested in this football club like nobody else has before ever in my lifetime. So at 61, if I live 20 years, I'm going to watch 20 years of happiness. And and if the Saudis have done this. Then I'm a Saudi. I, 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 if, if, if you've got a problem with that, then we're different. But when they did that, when Faraz Cooper's this male, and I just thought to myself, Jesus, this is this is just surreal. It's just it's great, you know what I mean? And like, as well as them being a good cook, I just thought, oh, this is this is just a great place to be. But when we go to the games now, I just said that somebody at the bar said, you know, nobody complains when the team's picked. Nobody ever says. Like, oh shit, he's playing. I'll tell you how bad it is. I'll tell you what it is. Like, if he puts Lascelles and Shelby in the morning, I won't complain. Now that's massive. It's because, yeah, I've never been in Lascelles or a Shelby fan. And, and if he picks up the morning, I'll just go, you know what you're doing. And I've never done that since 1969 when I first started sporting. It's, it's, it's a surreal position that the club and the players and the fans are united. And, and, It'll take a lot of years to, to break this because what's happening in Newcastle now is, is, is not happening anywhere in any other football club in the world. We've just got this passion, we've got this belief, and the one thing we've got is hope. And we all think we can do it. And I've been on a podcast tonight and was asked, well, we're in silverware, and I said, definitely in the next 18 months. If it's not this year, definitely the next. Well, we get a Champions League in the next 18 months. I think the signings we make in January will confirm that. And I have a friend that came over from Australia last week. He flew in from Australia and flew back out. I took the game and he sat next to me, Peter Beasley, and he just said, you don't know what it means to come over here and sit with Peter Beasley. I said, I know. And he, he went back to his hotel on the night. He was staying in the Stevens Court in Newcastle. Um, and who was staying at the same hotel? But this couple called Amanda and Murdan, they were still in the same hotel. <laughs> the hotel had gone and touched them. And he messages on the line, he says, Keith, I'm sat in a bar in, in, in the Crown Plaza. Amanda and Murdan sitting here. And he says, we've hit the red stuff. I said, what's that? He said, on the red wine. And Murdan, um, you know, they got a few. And he started telling them, he says, uh, we're not playing at this. He says, um, in January, we're going to go again. And then, you know, he sends that message to so I'm sitting reading it. He tended to my message, I want you to tell you. And I'm going, oh my God. Newcastle are going to have a go. And in January, we're going to bring some more players in. So I think what we see now is the very, very start of something that's going to be massive. I, I don't just mean PIF buying in. I don't just mean, I think, I think this team is going to be one of the biggest teams in the world. I think what they're doing now is toning the line. I think they're behaving themselves to avoid too much criticism. But I think there's going to be a time very soon when they say bollocks, let's just do it. And I think Newcastle's going to bring players in 
they make you wet your pants and three players in that you just go you're not going to believe what's happened and and if they've got the same ilk and mindset as the trickiest of the world the Gamerish, i mean is, is there a nicer blow is there a better footballer that you've seen the last take that kid looks awesome and when i see Mickey smile he makes me smile i just everything about newcastle in it i just love and sort of average players have become good players and kids are being treated badly like Sean Longstaff was in the Steve Bruce are being transformed into people who want to run through walls and you people I, I look at kids now and I think you look a little shit you know, <laughs> <laughs> I see you old people and I say how on there you know just hang on there son don't, don't you go I'm just going for the, I'm just going to the toilet but don't you go anywhere but the reality is you just on the start have a massive, massive, massive thing, and you'll get the shit out get. You know, I get more shit than anybody. Not me. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be very nice to Joe Walker today, mate. All day. <laughs> the problem is, Joe's Joe apparently claims he's forty-three today, and I, I, that's what. Joe reckons he's forty-three today. I mean, <laughs> and, and it's the youngsters like Joe. That's what's worrying us, you know. You've heard of you've heard of when they clock a car, haven't you? You know, <laughs> you know, so so Joe is uh, he's so old he can't take yes for an answer. <laughs> That's from his wife. The Ford Cortina, isn't he? It's it's nice though the first time Joe's been a great backer and he's been a great sport of me and I can remember great with him and it was just great to do this put a tweet out and Julie uh, Julie of troll fame said it was uh, she said it was um, it's the first time I read this message, I read all the way to the bottom because it was a King Patterson message and I got the bottom and there was no mistake. He said, I can't believe it. Why did you not wind you up then? I said, it's his birthday. It's always tomorrow, Joe. <laughs> tomorrow, normal service will be resumed. <laughs> Mr. Walker, put your steel suit on. You wrote one letter. Keith, one, one letter. letter. It's a long letter. It's funny, you know, you'd say you wrote one letter and, and, and it stuck, you know what I mean? And, and people said that you were fancy doing a book. I just imagine a book that showed just one letter, but let's put, put that in perspective. You just want to do one letter. There was somebody come on the podcast tonight and he said, Joe, Joe warned us to, because Joe said, while I've been sat this decade, um, that somebody had put, put on a, they, they wrote on the podcast, I watched Nick DeMarco the other night, and um, if anybody watched that, they'll know Keith Patterson not to do the takeover. And the words dickhead come to my mind so quickly, I just thought, how stupid are you? So, I've got on my computer so many hundred messages to Nick DeMarco, and I have so many hundred back, and I've got messages of Nick DeMarco where he said to us, Keith is a QBR fan, not as a a lawyer, I just want to say what you've done for this football club is amazing. And he was up by the food bank after the takeover, and this fellow will tell you, he walked past and they were shouting, Nick, 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 and they were yelling at him across the street and he kept walking, and he kept going, Nick, 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 and he just kept walking and walking. And then, I think it was Bill Cochran, Bill Cochran who runs his place shouted, Nick, we came Patterson's mate, and he turned back and went over. And he thought I was there, so he obviously out the courage to come over. And, and he said, he's not here, we just wanted to get you over there. <laughs> so Nick DeMarco, at the, and he's been a lovely fellow, but 
what, what do they want us to do? Do they want us to show these things I've signed NDAs for? I mean, I, I would lose hundreds of thousands of pounds if I broke them NDAs. But trust us, I am trying to work with the people I've signed them for to see if I can release them. Yeah. And the aim is to release everything and, and show you what was really happening. But what I, what I can tell you is what was happening is there was four people, and it's never been promoted, but there was a guy called John Moff who was in it tonight, who's one of the longest diads in Newcastle you'd ever find. He was part of the Magpie group. He was the brains and, 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 and a lot of the muscle behind him. Like John, yes. <laughs> behind John Hall. I mean, he's, so when we had the Keegan era, a lot of that was John Woff and co-created. Um, and you had Neil Mitchell, which is George Mitchell's son, Geordie Dentist, to a lot of you. You had this fella sitting next to us, Steve Hasty, and you had that man who knows now, Steve Ray. And, and, <laughs> and them four people had meetings throughout the takeover. Um, and, and, you know, it's a fact of life. They, 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 they're down on record. Um, they've never come to you and said, this is what's happened, this is what hasn't happened. But they were in talks, and they would come to me, and they would say to us, um, as far as the competition action goes, key, man and I want you to do a report to tell, tell them why there might be a, a move now to do a pincer movement, and maybe to get them to take an action against the EPL to show why there was a financial loss by the takeover people. So, the man remainder had this 10 million deposit, and if the takeover was stopped illegally, then they would have a genuine financial loss under the Competition Act. Um, so they asked me to do a report, and I did the report, I sent it through Steve Ray, back to them, and, and then texts came back, and, and you know, there was dialogue all the way through. And, and at the same time they did that, the only person who sold the football club was Mike Ashley. And, and whatever people think of him, you probably know it's that, let me slide them off. And the reason being is, I slagged them off enough before the takeover. I got to the point where I thought, well, slagging them off doesn't work. The Sunda put a kind of coffin round one day and put a big cell phone on it. Nothing worked. And, and I think, I think he, he just enjoyed a lot of that. I think he thought, you know, you think you've got us, you think you've beaten us, but, but you're not going to beat us now. When I went to them, I knocked the door and I just said, you're not going to get this takeover. It won't happen. And they said, why? I said, because you're doing this an arbitration. And an arbitration gives you a bench. And that bench is your pick, the EPL's pick, and then you've got to agree the third pick. Unfortunately, if you don't agree the third pick, the written rule of the arbitration in the Premier League is that the FA take the third pick, which is the EPL. So you'd have had the EPL choosing a homer, Newcastle choosing a home and then you'd have had the, the FA doing the same. You'd have got big two to one in any arbitration. Worse than that, arbitration doesn't allow you any disclosure. So if you've been slaughtering somebody, if you've done something illegal, you can go into an arbitration, you don't have to give that evidence. And they said, well, why do you think you can do different? I said, because what they're doing is anti-competitive. And if you run a cat case, you call it a cat case, but it's actually an anti-competitive case. But, but a cat case gives you unlimited disclosure. What it also does, there's no such rule as confidentiality, which is what the Premier League bank on. So there's lots and lots and lots of, of statements that the Premier League down, the state down. And what they said in Newcastle was, if you break any of these confidentiality, the, the deal's off. And I don't know if you remember, but you cast your minds back, 
to where Newcastle once went on the six o'clock news and they, they went on the six o'clock news and they said Newcastle United are taking legal action against the Premier League. I don't remember that was it. It was the six o'clock news, it was on Time Tins of BBC and it was like so many months after Takeover died. It, it was about July, August time, 2001, uh, 2021. And what they did, they went in and they said, there's, 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 there's a case being run by Newcastle United. Let us just tell you tonight how that happened, because I can tell you that without breaking what I've signed. What happened was, I took an action against the Premier League and put six points down, and my QC said, you only got to win one game. We knew three couldn't be beat. They could not, in a month of Sunders, beat three of those arguments. We thought we were good on five, and we thought one was a tryout. We thought one was just a fancy, it had a bit of, a bit of sauce in it to make them look stupid. So we run the case on six. They tried to answer those cases. They miserably, miserably couldn't answer four of the points. And two of those points they couldn't answer was two we two knew that nobody could answer. They tried to answer the one of the points we knew they couldn't answer and made complete ducks in of it. And Chia Wanya, um, the, the, the Labour MP from Newcastle, she could have verified that point. She could have stood me in court and won that point. So we won all three. But what they did was they wrote back to us that day, they wrote a letter, and they said, um, we can't answer your case, they've got to keep because NCSL. Uh, we can't answer the case because we're running a case against the Premier League and the, the case of Newcastle United at the same time. And we think it's unfair to run two cases at the same time. I have four Newcastle United up, who I was already talked to, and I said, they're telling me they can't run my case because you've got a case going. Have they really said Newcastle United? Do you know they've signed a document to say they'll never divulge there's litigation going on between our two companies. So that day, you know that Nick DeMarco bloke who doesn't know me or I've never met? He got in touch with this and he dictated my response. So I went to Liam Kennedy, who was my go-to person in the press, and I did a press release to say, Newcastle United just told me that they will not take a case with the fans because they run the case against Newcastle United. That was bingo for the football club, because the football club could never get this takeover until all this deliberation and all this pausing and stalling had been put out of the way. But that night, that day, when we went to the press, Newcastle United went to the press, I didn't go to the press. I went to the press with a letter when Newcastle went to the television. Newcastle went to the Time Taser BBC and said, Newcastle had taken a case against the Premier League. It's the first time Newcastle were allowed to announce that. And that's when the pressure started. That's when the takeover started to turn. That's when the, the Premier League's rules are you cannot divulge anything. But I said to Justin Barnes, who ran this case for the club, I said, under competition law, there's no such thing as a secret. Under competition law, you're not allowed to use the word confidentiality. You can have as much disclosure as you want. If you stay for three months, you've got another far end of a far where it flew from and who bad it. You get everything, every single thing out. And I said, the case you run is not going to work. So some fans, one, one, one lawyer for belonging to fanzine was telling me that I didn't know what I'm talking about. He said, you need to run the arbitration first. 
And I want to call him useless. I didn't realize how much of a mind reader I was, how accurate I was. This guy is telling me, run an arbitration first. If the arbitration ran first, you'd still be owned by Mike Ashley or somebody from America. But if the cat case runs first, you'll win and they can't defend it. And the rest is history. The rest, the rest being done, the rest has got you where you're at at the end. And they were never, ever, ever going to be able to beat the cat case. And, and does it surprise you? When the cap case ran, I was told from the club to try and get lots of fans to get involved. And I said, why? He said, he said, it would just be better. The lawyer said it would be better if, if people can dial in because what it does, it brings it public. So I said, I said, there's a cap case coming and it's going to go public. What a disappointing figure. The biggest attendance on an online legal dispute in history. 33,000 people. What a disappointment your fans are. It's, it's, it's as though you can never get off your asses and do anything like that. Do you need what? And then four, a quarter of the world's companies, 25% of the world's companies attended that, that meeting. And what you saw was annihilation. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just a private person, so I can say this. But I didn't think Johnny Joe was that great that day. I don't think he's in Robert Donahue's league. In the chambers, they both work at. But Donahue was rated much higher than him. But Donahue built the case, we handed it to the club, and then Joe ran it. That day, I thought Joe missed three, three attempts where he could have nailed the Premier League down there. And it was like a post of North Passive Line, they were like passing post of North. That guy who represented the EPL that day was, he was voted QC of the year. He was absolutely. Man City level. He was brilliant, but he had no information. He, he, he was running a shit case. And so that case should have shown you that Newcastle's walked all over the day. So where do we go now? Where are we at now? And why did we get involved in it? One, one day I was sad, and uh, a man there spoke out and said, We need the fans to come forward. And I was still there, couldn't be said, what did he get? I said, it's anti-competitive. And he said, well, you've done that. That's what you do. And I said, I, I don't do it, but I've done it. And he said, why, why are you going to... And that night, a student, he read something by this, this, like, this famous guy called C.S. Lewis. All you literary, literary people who know who he is. And he did a statement, there's this famous statement he's got that says, you can never change the beginning. But you can go now and changed the ending. I read it, and I went to sleep dream that, and I woke the next morning, and I thought, you can't change the beginning, but you change the ending. And I thought, somebody's telling you, you need to do something here. And I stupidly did it. And, and it's freakish that that's, I'd worked on a court case where we consumed, mainly the side, 55 million pounds in legal fees. That's, that's what we did. The company I was a direct minority owner of, consumed 25 million and the other side 30 million and it got settled out of court but it was a competition action and that's how I knew how to do it and then stupidly when my dad came down from Ashton with a man from sea houses they put a black and white top on us and when you put that work background and that black and white top and you've got a full of magic you think oh I might be the bloke who could tell them where they go wrong and the day I went into the football club and said, do you know why you lost the takeover? And they said, no. I thought, holy shit. I'm, I'm, I'm neck deep in brown stuff now because 
I knew why they lost it. They had a document that would win a court case. And someone had given us. And that document from BI Sports would win any competition action. It was caught, it was, it was made a legal action and collected lobbying. So I have a document and I've got Justin Barnes, Nick DeMarco, Shani Fat and the Sakharov. And they're telling me they don't know why the first taker was turned down. And I thought, shit, I do. And then I thought, shit, I've got a document. And so I told them I did, told them I had the document, and, the, and the, from then on, the rest just happened, I guess. But, but somebody said that night, I think it was, I think it was Tom Dixon said, would you go and work for another football club if they needed to do a similar action? No. Would you? Would you go and do something new? I said, no, I don't want to do anything. I don't want to be involved. I don't want to be... I, I don't want to see people bully people. I don't see cartels win, but the same token, I've, I've done more than I wanted to do. I did 14 months, unpaid work. I had 14 hour days. Um, I had to move out of my house. I had to move my fiance out. I had to live with my brother who was suffering from cancer. And, and I, I don't want to go back there. And, and to get abuse. Of, of some markets, some trolls, but some people from your own fan base would think is, is more than anybody should ever take and, and I don't want to do it again. All I want to do is just go to match with you, lot. Wink when I pass here, you know, have a drink with you, pay me to do anything I think, I don't want any tickets or anything. I just want to spot your castle with you, lot. So, to paraphrase all that, Keith, you didn't know really, did you? <laughs> the one minute, there was three good pages, you know. I, I just want to clarify, I only asked you to come up and tell us what you thought tomorrow would be like, you know. <laughs> How do you think the game would go, you know? That's all I wanted to know. While I'm up here, there's a couple of people, there's a few people I want to thank, I want to thank George Mitchell, just for, uh, for giving us someone to look up to. I just, I just think you're an amazing fella, and I love you the best. Yay! I think when George does his shows and he gives all that information out, he doesn't realise how young people like me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he realise how we suck that up and how much we admire him and how much we, we, we love what he does and who he is and how much Everybody needs somebody to look, look, look up there with. I've, I've got one ambition in Newcastle, and that's to be at Wembley when we win something. I used to, you know, there's something about a cup that's different to Champions League and everything else. And, and to be at a cup when you hoist the cup up and just talk George, then take me out, take me in the box. You know, so so that, that's that's one person. I want to thank the fiance Karen for putting up with us. Um, she must be a bit mad, but. Behind, they say behind every great man is a great woman. Well, I wish I was as great as she's been. <laughs> uh, I've got to thank four people. It's been special to me, and, and, and it's you know I, I don't have any any shame in it. And it's it's Steve Hasty, Steve Ray, Neil Mitchell, Joe Walker, who was just been there for us. You know, when you look back and you just know people, they're gonna like, they're gonna, they're gonna tell you, ignore the shit, and they're gonna just keep practicing. This fellow here next to me, he just, 
If you spirit that dies, the most honest man in the, in the family is and he every time. He never fails to say the words you think of. And I don't know what makes these do this, because I haven't done this like this, or I haven't done all this podcast or anything. But I'm not, I'm not too sure I'll be around for, for, for whenever, but I see the crap stay with gets, and I just think, what makes it keep on going, keep on doing it? And, you know, I, I think he should have had a lot more from the club after the table went through. Um, I really do. Um, I think that, I think, you know, things happen um, and, and people get nervous of people and, and I just look at them lads and I had to find, not a podcast, but I had to find a media to get the message out the, the club said to me, you need to get close to the fans kids because I'm someone who was just me and I was just looking in the corner and, you know, watching the game and he said, they said you need to get closer because you need to calm them down. If you don't calm them down and they keep revolting and keep doing Ashley out, he'll just go and sell it to somebody else. And I said, okay. And I, I looked at the, all the podcasts and uh, some of them are bizarre. I mean, some of them are for like unbalanced people. You know, they're, they're looking and thinking, I wasn't let him in my house. And he said, I wouldn't let him walk my dog. And then I found these lot. And I thought I would let him in house all what we were. That's true, by the way. He didn't let us in the house. He wouldn't let us anywhere near the dog. Because he looked like the dog. <laughs> no, I lose with it. His dog was called Ashley. <laughs> what happened is, is, is I, went, I watched them and, and there was. I'll bury this myth and all and like, like no, there was this war fund group and they, they, they went and spoke to these lot and, um, and they just made a hash of it and then it was going to collapse and then they said somebody's going to have to put the name up the front and I had all the legal stuff and I had the QCs and in the end there was no money there, you know, there was no money, the fans didn't want to pay any money, the people who said war fund had no money and then they just said someone's going to have to do it and, and all I did was I just backed me with my legal people uh, to, to, to an extent. But I got to a point where if the case was going to run massive, um, it, 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 it went into big bills, it went into big money. And you know, the tens of thousands mounted up. But if it had gone to a, an action in court, um, I think Mike actually would come forward and support it for the children about half a million. And that's why I don't start taking off this, because as much as he made a bollocks of Newcastle, he believed in me, and 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 they, they, they sort of supported me. So I don't want to just slap people off for the sake of slapping people. He made a complete arsehole to this day. He would say the same himself. I mean, if you if you sat him down, but but I'm no Ashley fan, but I'm equally not here to knock somebody who supported me or or backed or believed in it. Um, but them four lads had the platform, they had the members, they had the users, they had everything. And when I looked at when I looked at them now, I still don't know why you do it. I still don't know why you you know, you you had more crap in the last eighty months Dave, than, than than I could handle. I, I don't handle crap very much. I just block people all the time to get stuff. And and I, I'm not like very tolerant with idiots. You know what I mean? I just I just I just have a low idiot factor tolerance and I just think I just think like I just think like I look at people and I look at you like my uncle Nobed. You know what I mean? I just think, I can't be bothered. 
this new anymore. And I have a, like a rule, I just think, if I wouldn't suffer, have a pint with you there, I wouldn't listen to you online. And then, if I wouldn't come home and sit with you or say, you fancy a drink, or I wouldn't go out with you on a Friday night, what are I want to listen to you for on Twitter? It's just a stupid me, you know what I mean? So, but, but, <laughs> these lads have been doing for years. Neil Mitchell has a, a good skill because he just takes the piss. He's, 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 he's mad as a box of frogs and he, he just seems to get through with it a lot. But, but you know, Joe's had it. Joe, Joe put a t-shirt on and me and went to bed and sleep and I thought, I don't think he went to bed and he just closed his eyes. Joe, Joe, don't talk about after it. You went to bed, you sleep it, you went to bed. <laughs> <laughs> but he had a shirt and me on and he puts it on Twitter and then all these cronies start saying that, like, give him one time and I'm thinking, how bright are you? Does the lift go at the top? You know, like, like, <laughs> Mr. Bungalow, come over and enjoy his ring, you having a joke at your expense. So I want to thank you for, for letting us in. Uh, I want to thank you for letting us out after the table. Because <laughs> I've got, you know, I did a runner. After the table, I was one night and going out with me, I just said, oh, enough of this, like. And I, and I, I have a lower tolerance level and all them. But, but I want to thank the fellow who I met through the, the the whole setup called Johnny Allen, who's an aide here, and he, I just want to say to you, oh, he's the bloke who never gets any praise. He's the bloke who does more for charity, more for everybody than anyone in this world, including me. He is. <laughs> John, I introduced, I introduced John Allen to Peter Beasley. Great, Steve really introduced to Peter Beasley. He sent a message for me for my birthday. Peter Beasley rang us and said, Oh, you know, I want, I want to meet you. And then the next thing I made up, I took Steve, yes, and Ned Jed down to the Falcons to make the interviews of Peter Beasley. And that's what you do when you trust people, you pass the contact, you, right. share, you share them. And so from Steve <coughs> Wraith to the lads to me, and then the one day I said, I said, Oh, Peter's want to get back to coaching. And, you know, he, he, like, I think he's had a raw deal from the club, but that's my opinion. Uh, I, think he's a, I think he's a brilliant lad. And every time he won the game, then he'll do a thousand photographs with fans, and they'll all tell him, you're the best player that ever wore black and white shirt. How he's not in the football club, you know, as an ambassador, and maybe a Keith Gillespie gets in, I don't know. I just think, I think, and Peter Blasey is, is the best player I've ever seen. Sign for Newcastle. I think he's, he's just an amazing, amazing talent. Um, he's also a nice fella, and and I introduced Johnny Allen to him, and within weeks, John put his own money down, and he won't want us to say it, but I don't care. But but I look at him and I say, John, and and, and before you know it, um, he's got Peter Basie coaching again. He's coaching the kids. And Peter was having great experiences, and it's just so positive. And then the next thing you find out is, oh, there's not enough people turning up. So Johnny Allen is now sponsoring kids who haven't got enough money to go so that Peter Beasley can still coach his kids. That's what he does. He's the, he's the John behind NUFC Manners. He's the bloke who sells swag. He's the bloke who gets me in the game every week. And I, and I, you know, I pay him for me ticket every week, but he, he sorts everything. He's, he's, a, he's a resourceful lad. And you know, when you come on here tonight, people say, oh, I met Steve, I met Keith Fattis, and I met Steve Yeasty. Make sure you reach out on this. There was a great one. Tell Steve. We're now with him, which is going to be last year anyway. Tomorrow? I think we'll win 3-0. Excellent. That's all I need to get.
Alright, cheers man. <laughs> Thank you. Hey. Hey. Okay,